Hello and welcome to the digital afterlife of grief. I am Ginger Lou and I am looking at the digital afterlife, um, generative AI, all the artificial intelligence stuff that uh, that we dabble with uh, in regards to death and dying and grief, but also related news with regards to artificial intelligence, um, you know, things like policy, uh, how it affects society, because these are all important things because, um, you know, uh, we're all going to die and how social media, uh, anything online um, does affect, you know, how we are living in this 21st century world. So um, in my podcast, I, um, I do a roundup of the news um, and also any interesting articles that I have found um, with regards to the digital afterlife uh, and um, grief bots and big tech companies also and uh, generative AI, how it's affected art and photography. Um, is AI taking over our jobs? Yes, it is. Um, we have to find new ways of, of working, but um, such is progress. Um, it's not going anywhere. It's already been um, uh, chucked out the bag, let out the bag, AI is here. And it's already being used with regards to things like, which I've, if you have a look at my Medium page or my Substack page, you'll see that I've been experimenting with different uh, generative AI services. Um, you know, there's services that can create videos um, and audio um, and bots and things like that. And some of them are good, some of them are um well you know a little bit hit and miss but um some of them um specifically audio i found is, has has really done amazing i was quite impressed with that because i all all i did was record around about 15 seconds of my voice and then created um some text um using chat gmt and um it copied my voice absolutely perfectly so i am going to try this on uh, a dead relative and see if it can have a conversation and see if it mimics their voice um see what it comes up with um i don't think for me personally that's creepy because my re dead relatives have been dead quite some time so for me it's it's kind of like oh wow um wouldn't it be great if um, just for the hell of it, you know, say hello to my dead relative and they say hello back. Um, uh, you know, I say, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem as creepy because my relatives have been dead for some time. Um, if for anyone out there who's been bereaved, um, it is a difficult time. Uh, it is an emotional time. It's a time when um, you sell your soul to have your dead loved one back I mean you basically would and so I think using some of this death technology at that time uh, can be risky for some uh, it can possibly create um, uh, ongoing grief um, you know where it takes longer than the usual the usual average time is around about two years um, obviously it can go longer 
really depending on the person and how that affects you. Um, you know, if you're someone who's on their own um, and your loved one is gone, you know, you might take longer to get over it than if you have stuff in your life that, um, uh, you know, allows you to get on with things and distract uh, your grief. You know, if you have, I don't know, lots of children, lots of stuff going on. So, but, you know, grief is personal. Grief is individual. Grief is different for everybody, of course. Um, but the most important thing is that you must feel grief you must be you know have bereavement because we're not robots robots folks um if you hold it all in you will explode at some point maybe not now but maybe maybe 10 15 years down the line so it is good to cry all about it so um i'm uh you know i'm an artist i'm also doing my phd on um photography art and ai and so i'm interested in the digital afterlife uh specifically because uh, i was going to do my phd about three years ago um possibly oh gosh you know how you, you think it's going to be just a few years but it's actually longer i think it's five years ago i think um while i was or, or rather during um while i was caring for my mother at her end of her life and this is where i started becoming really interested in in death um, because I was faced with it um, you know possibly the most important person in my life um, was dying and after she died um, you know uh, it was something that I couldn't run away from and I understood and really got how you know all these wonderful people out there these carers nurses doctors who deal with death on a daily basis and how they how they do that, how they face it. And so, you know, when you're faced with something like that, um, you know, you kind of grow up a little bit, I think, you know, um, I've always been pretty youthful um, and lived a life in the fast lane, um, trying to dodge a bullet as it were. And, you know, who wants to talk about death? I don't care and all the rest of it really doesn't. But then once you're faced with it, you get it, you understand. And it means that because you understand, because you've had had uh, lived experience that you can comfort others and you know what it's like for other people. And as you get older, uh, of course, you'll get to a certain age when your parents are dying. And so that's happening to a lot of people. Um, so I'm not saying that the older you get, it gets any better, but um, because I have, I've had parents who've died at different times. So I had my dad who died when I was 29 um, I'm uh, my mum uh, died just a few years ago so um, different kinds of grief and bereavement for each one um, specifically due to the fact of my age um, so um, I'm not saying that I could deal with it better because I was older um, but um, I was certainly a little bit more grounded uh, than when I was in my 20s um, but hey, I'm digressing. So um, as I said, I have been dabbling um, with a number of Genshift AI platforms uh, that create videos out of photographs and audio that clones my voice with AI prompted text for dialogue. So, you know, my PhD research aims to create the essence of myself using AI in combination with portrait photography and moving image or some other kind of art form, which I'm still trying to grapple with um, 
and trying to do that. The, the reason why I'm doing it on myself is not because of uh, um, some kind of vanity, is because I, you know, it's easy to say, well, let's just do it on a dead relative. But, um, you know, I've, I kind of made the decision when I was, you know, doing my MFA in photography and I was making a film about, um, you know, caring for my mother. Um, I didn't want her to be in it. Also, she didn't give me permission either because she had dementia. So it's not right. And also I have relatives who, you know, while you're, while I'm thinking, oh, great, well, this is great art and all the rest of it, um, you're not really seeing it from the point of view of your relatives who think it's, it's, it's not on. So, uh, and, you know, and I'm glad that um, I didn't make it about, um, it was, well, it was about my mum, but she wasn't in, in the picture, as it were. It's all about my mum, but it was, but it, but she wasn't in the picture. Um, and, um, and I'm glad, I, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad. Um, but also my point is, is that I was going to do my PhD straight after. And it was going to be about, um, you know, again, about uh, death and grief and, you know, my mum and all the rest of it and dementia. Um, because I was kind of in the thick of it um, and um, again I'm glad I didn't do it um, because with uh, being a, you know out of that bereavement because uh, don't forget I've been I've been grieving while I've been caring for my mum who's had dementia and that's been a few years you know so um, you're grieving the whole time um, you don't realize it but you are you're grieving the whole time and so with space from that um, I think thank God I didn't make the project about her with her in it because it's not right. You know, my mum wouldn't have liked that. Um, you know, my, I, you know, so, so I took it, you know, so that's why I'm doing it about myself, um, doing all these experiments on myself. Um, but also I'm a portrait photographer as well. So I've done a lot of projects that have, that have been self portrait stuff as well. So it's kind of, um, you know, extended on that. Um, but this is kind of a little bit def different. Um, and, but of course, you know, I'm not, touch wood, I'm not dying. Um, not that I know of. And um, so, uh, you know, and uh, I'm not in bereavement. Um, I would say that um, grief uh, is there and I don't think it ever leaves you um, because, you know, you're constantly reminded about your, your parents, my mum and dad. And when you think about them, you think of the great times, but then you feel a bit grieved because they're gone, because you miss them. So grief is always there. Um, but, it, you know, you, you have to get on with your life, obviously. Um, so that's why it's about me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a, it's a long, um, long answer, but that's why it's about me. Um, so, you know, as you know, I'm still searching for the right combination of AI technology to accurately represent who I am. I mean, I've been looking at quite a few and, you know, uh, you know, new things come up every on a daily basis by the look of it. That's why it's, you know, it's very much like the, um, the photography revolution when that first came out, where there was so many different kinds uh, of technology um, solutions and, um, you know, ways of making film. Uh, different cameras and stuff and um, and on the market you know different different ways of of presenting photographs whether it was you know the little tiny little carte vista or you know huge portraits and, and things like that so 
um, you know, all these different things that are coming out on the market, um, you know, they're fads, some of them, some of them will be long term because, um, um, because the market really likes them and others will just fade, fade away. Um, so um, I'm so this is a long term constant thing um, when I'm doing my Google my do my Google searches where I keep finding these new platforms that create um, I'm not just talking about death tech companies but I'm talking about you know those that are creating um, video conferencing kind of stuff or audio stuff um, and things like that so um, if you check out my uh, medium or Substack. Um, pages you'll see that some of the um, experiments that I've done with there with um, ChatGBT and um, uh, and also um, you know uh, and you know like 11 labs and DID which I absolutely really like actually um, and um, things like that um, so and then there's um, there's another uh, few um, platforms that I've tried out too, and whoa! I have no idea why that's doing that. So excuse me, folks. There we go. Um, yeah, so I mean, on on another one, I'm, I was also um, trying to dabble, dabble with um, um, culture and nationality and race um, because it, you know we're all a mix of things, and something that's to do with my identity is very much the mix of things that I am. So um, I'm English, as you can tell by my voice, um, but I was also born in America. Um, I'm also quarter Chinese and my dad is half Chinese and he grew up in China um, and um, my mum's um, relatives are Irish um, no doubt who escaped the um, potato famine in Ireland and came to Liverpool so there's a mix of things there I mean I've got red hair ginger hair um, blue eyes um, so pretty much you know Irish kind of look to me um, and I have a Chinese name and I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm very proud of my Chinese um, and English um, heritage. Um, and I'm sorry about the Irish heritage. I'm saying sorry because I need to look into it more, which is what I'm going to be doing. Um, when we were growing up, we had lots of um, Irish jokes and, um, and the Irish sense of humor, which is passed on to the Liverpool sense of humor. So. For me, um, you know, that Englishness of me is kind of in with the Irish um, and the sense of humour and the, and the Liverpool sense of humour and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah so I've, I've also looked at Hey Jen, um, which is an AI video. Again, I looked at Storyville, um, Story File, hey, uh, AI and Here After AI that I've um, uh, experimented with. Uh, Live Story, which is little bit different it's about um, um, photographs um, and then stability AI I, I looked at to recreate um, a mixture of those heritage which I to told you about which English Irish Chinese and that American kind of look um, that you get and so it's 
you know, it's produced quite a few things from there. Um, it, I also talk about um, an article that my dad cut out, and he still has. I just found it a few weeks back, which was in a newspaper about um, what the, you know, what an American would look like in 2034. And this is in the 90s. Uh, and then um, National Geographic did an update on that in 2013 about what would an American look like. And, you know, they had, you know, pictures of, say, someone who, who looked mixed, mixed race, um, you know, so like an Asian looking person with blue eyes, an African American looking person with blonde hair and blue eyes. So that kind of mixture that we that we have and um, you know so you know obviously my dad is very much mixed race um his mother is english and his dad's chinese um so it was and um you know so he was very much um uh, interested in that and i've kind of followed on with that as as his sister is, is as well my aunt uh, so i put into stability ai what would an american british woman with red hair who's quarter chinese quarter irish and english what would they look like and they basically come up with um, someone who looked Asian looking with very red gingerish hair, um, very bright gingerish hair and um, and then someone who kind of looks like an American model uh, or you know a Caucasian American model with uh, with loads of uh, red hair as well. So um, just quite kind of interesting to see um, you know because there's obviously lots of uh, stuff that's been out there uh, writing about how, how this gender of AI is um, you know when it's scraping the internet um, you know it's got some racial uh, and uh, sex biases as well so um, so that's the reason why another reason why I did that too so this I found this um, article which was really interesting um, recently um, to do with uh, grief bots and death technology um, you know, I kind of wanted to explore the intersection of AI and and mourning. And um, I don't know if you've heard the term grief bot. Uh, sometimes it's uh, a death bot, grief bot. Um, it's basically a chat bot. That's I mean, that's what it is. It's a chat bot. Um, but it's it's designed to, you know, comfort you. And um, it's it's a grief bot is, you know, a copy of your dead relative. Um, so in 2020, a young Chinese software engineer named Yu Jilin stumbled upon an essay about lip syncing technology that detailed synchronized lip movements with recorded speech. The concept of a grief bot provided an opportunity to communicate his final words to the man who played a significant role in his upbringing. Yu created his grandfather's appearance, speech and mannerisms from family photographs, videos, letters and phone messages. Information he then used to train an AI model about his grandfather's personality. Initially, the bot's responses were generic, but as you provided more information, it began displaying more accurate representation of his grandfather's habits and preferences. Yu's ambition to recreate his grandfather is one example of a growing trend in China where the bereaved are using artificial intelligence to re resurrect the dead. The rise of grief bots in China coincides with the popularity of Yisus, a chatbot assistant that embodies the personal persona of a teenage girl and is, has more than 660 million users. In the United States, death tech 
companies have developed similar grief bots like replica well you know i'm calling it a grief bot technically it's not a grief bot because a grief bot is really about um as i said it's it's the voice of your death dead loved one um replica uh, which i've talked about in detail in previous um posts and podcasts is it's more of a um a, a comforting um bot uh, where you create an avatar and you chat to it uh you know as a as support so it's as a support uh, as a friend uh, if you're feeling lonely you want to talk to somebody and you can chat to them on your phone uh, with text messages death tech companies uh, like hereafter ai provide an opt-in for individuals to upload their past personalities online but for many companies, consent from the deceased is often missing. The use of personal information without explicit permission raises privacy and ethical issues, even among immediate family members. While grief bots offer a virtual presence and the ability to communicate with the deceased, they can also interfere with the limit and limit control over the grieving process. In traditional mourning, we can store away old photographs and letters uh, box in boxes with the memories that can trigger grief, but grief bots can tempt the bereaved to communicate whenever they look at their smartphones. So, you know, this might actually, as I said before, uh, give you prolonged grief. And I have some kind of um, lived experience of this too because uh, as I'm doing a project um, that has to have me looking through um, some of my parents belongings and finding things about myself I am um, you know looking at these memories and they're making me sad so you know and all the grief is coming back again I mean there's a reason why we put things away in boxes and and, and don't look at them again but in some respect, though, um, as I, you know, I didn't really dealt with my dad's death properly at the time and went off the rails. Um, um, you know, I'm kind of dealing with it now, but it's hard, very hard. So, I mean, months after its creation, you made the decision to delete his grandfather's grief bot after he was becoming over-reliant on AI for emotional support. It is hoped that the majority of mourners eventually let their grief bots fade out when the support is no longer needed. I mean, who's going to do that, though, when you, know, when you become attached to it? However, there, there is a risk that the damage of prolonged uh, grief use can cause. Very much so. But can artificial intelligence recreate the disease? Grief tech, um, grief tech companies definitely think so. Can artif um, tech experts and grief therapists have debated the pros and cons of AI, but because the technology to replicate the deceased is still in its infancy, the social impact has yet to reach a consensus. In an interview with CTV News, Richard Crury, president of the Canadian Artificial Intelligence Association, say that impersonating the dead is possible, but don't expect perfection. He says... When it comes to recreating a real person, what will be missing is my memories, my ideas, my personality. It's not so much an AI problem, but a model documentation problem. 
In my research, I have created a persona using transcript data, voice synthesis and video models. AI wrote my dialogue, copied my voice and turned a still photograph into a video. The results weren't perfect, but it's close enough. AI needs to be trained by people. It gathers data to inform responses and the exact replica of a loved one is impossible, but it's a long way off. AI is unable to separate fact from fiction. And because it is human nature to lie, you can see what issues lie ahead. I would have to document every single moment, event, or experience in my entire life in order for the AI to accurately um, copy me. Of course, um, there are a few um, death tech CEOs with lots of money and lots of ego who are doing that right now, um, which is kind of sad, I think, in a way. It's like, why don't you just live your life instead of constantly recording your life? Um, live it. You know, be in the moment and all that. According to Curry, what we document and what we actually think are very different things. There's more to us than just our memories or just our feelings relative to those memories. The background or context of a person, her personality and essence, the tech isn't there yet. Chat boxes are limited to how much context to sort through. AI can only make decisions on the input data and directions from humans. AI could only generate a superficial copy of the deceased. Curry says to turn a digital copy of someone who, who you just lost and chat with them as if they were still there and reminisce about old times. It really doesn't sound like healthy grieving behavior. No, it doesn't, does it? Grieving isn't linear. I have developed prolonged grief, as I said before, because of my research. I've been looking at old photographs and letters and they brought me up so many memories that I'm grieving all over again for my father who died 25 years ago. So perhaps Curie is right. How would AI impact the grieving process? Grief, grief therapists aim to get the grief out of someone's head. Part of a person's grief process is recognizing their loss and reacting to the separation, recollecting the experience, relinquishing old attachments and reinvesting their emotional energy elsewhere. Chatbots can help to create dialogue to get that grief out and talk about it. An organisation from the Dutch funeral industry recommends that individuals who want to be represented at their funerals by chatbots or holograms after their passing should indicate this in their wills. However, Bridget Wieman, the director of the Dutch BGNU, is sceptical. Determining whether AI, she says, can utilise a person's data, messages and images after the death should be subject to certain rule. Los Angeles-based company AE Studio has developed a program called Seance AI, which allows the bereaved to talk to a chatbot of their deceased loved ones via an app. Product designer and manager Jan Rocks told Futurism, it's essentially meant to be a short interaction that can provide a sense of closure. That's really where the main focus is here. It's not meant to be somewhere, something super long term. In its current state, it's meant to provide a conversation for closure and emotional processing, he says. I am going to try out Science AI uh, in the next week or so in a, uh, a follow-up article and see, see, um, see what I think about it. Uh, ghost, ghost bot scams. Digital reincarnations of the dead or ghost bots could be used in cyber scams. A ghost bot is an artificial persona such as a chat bot or deep fake which replicates and imitates facial features, voice and personality. 
According to Dr. Marissa McVie from Queen's University in Belfast, she says ghost spots lie at the intersection of many different areas of law, such as privacy and property, and yet there remains a lack of protection for the deceased personality, privacy or dignity after death. While it is not thought that ghost spots could cause physical harms, she says, the likelihood is that they could cause emotional distress and economical harm, particularly impacting upon the deceased loved ones and heirs. The UK data protection and privacy laws do not extend to heirs after death, making it unclear who has the power to produce our digital persona. So all this technology is so new, um, you know, there's until somebody, you know, perhaps dies or or causes some kind of other emotional um, problems, um, you know, perhaps nothing is going to be done um, about, you know, how chatbots and other forms of AI affect, um, you know, people who are grieving, people in bereavement. It's so new. I mean, you know, death tech companies have been around for a while, but the, the technology hasn't been there. Um, you know, a lot of these um, death tech companies you've been hearing about started uh, last summer um, and, um, you know, they're all over the news with regards to the technology used and how, you know, oh, isn't it great? We can, we can talk to our dead loved ones and we can get through you know, use it as some kind of form of bereavement. But death tech companies have been there for quite some time. They've been using different kinds of um, technologies, such as, you know, something online. Um, what I think is pretty cool, um, actually, is having a, a scan, uh, a barcode, um, you know, at your, um, you know, at your funeral. Um, fun on your, you know, if you're getting buried, of course, uh, you can have it on your tombstone. Um, for a lot of us, though, who who are getting cremated that's not the option so um but i think it's quite a cool idea that you can scan this barcode and then you can get all the history about this person and so um you know you can read you know, read about them uh, or or they can actually you know share from their own voice and their video of them about who they are but if so many people are doing that uh, how many people are going to read that and how many people go to um grave uh, yards anyway I mean come on how many of us do that you know um, you know how, how many times have you in your life uh, hung about um, a graveyard right sure it's nice to have a look through you can you can read the grief the gravestones and go oh wow that person died 150 years ago um, uh, or oh wow that person died when they were only five isn't that sad etc etc et but really are we going to go through them and, and you know listen and watch the person um who died um i don't think we're going to be doing that are we um again you know it's all it's very much like uh, victorian photography and how you know we're trying to use this technology to aid in our bereavement uh, to make sure that we are never forgotten um most of us will be forgotten, unfortunately. Um, that's it for now. Um, have a good one.